What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. So it's podcast time, and this is a podcast that I've been waiting to do pretty much since day one. Um, since day one of me starting the podcast. Sam Devine. I've known Sam since I was 13 years old. Um, I used to buy my records from her at a record shop called Spin Central. You're probably going to hear more about that in the podcast, or you definitely are. Um, I've seen Sam grow from a local DJ to one of the biggest female DJs in the world. And we've stayed in touch literally since day one. Um, It's just been so amazing to see her get to where she's at. And also she's always kind of been there for me just generally as a, as a human being and as a friend in the industry. I love her absolutely to bits. Um, and I love what she's doing. I love who she is. I love how she DJs. She's one of the best DJs out there. Um, she's just the best. So without further ado, Sam Devine. Sam Devine, what's cooking? What is good in the herd? Where in the world are you? I'm in sunny Somerset. Yay! Where are you? I'm in London town. Oh, yes. Um, mate, yeah. thanks for coming on. I've been waiting to do this for so long. Um, oh, my God, haven't we? Like, when I started it, I wanted... To, when I started the podcast two years ago, I wanted to get you on, but I wanted to wait till like the podcast was a bit more of something. Um, yeah. We've got like, a, I think I was thinking about this in the car. I was driving to Bristol today and I was think you are the person I've known the longest in the industry that's still in the industry. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Which is mental, really. I know. I was literally thinking last night, I was like, oh my God, like, I just want to start off saying that I am literally your biggest fan. <laughs> like, I remember you coming in my record shop and you were like, was it 13? Yeah. 13 with your mum and dad. And then just, you were so tiny. You were so, so tiny. And obviously now you've got like the best beard in the <laughs> galaxy. <laughs> But I remember you coming into Hush and obviously like you were way too young to play, like 13, giving you your first set in Ibiza with your mum and your dad just like dancing in the corner and just then like moving to the States and smashing it. And I just feel so honoured and proud to call you my friend and to watch your journey as well has been amazing. No, I I love you for that because I I feel the same. I I remember meeting you for the first time in at Spin Central, the record shop. Oh my God. And then playing for you i can't remember what it was called it was in western do you know what i found my mom um found the flyer out the other day and it was called um so we did the saturday night but we also did sundays are divine that was it it was a sunday upstairs, yeah upstairs. upstairs we played like r&b garage and a house and there was probably only about 20 people to solve oh, yeah. for the first six months <laughs> <laughs> anyway and then and then i remember when you asked me to play in hush and I was 16 then. And I've seen you from selling records and hustling at selling records. Like you were like the one person around the Southwest that kind of only liked house music at that time. Yeah, and yeah. like you were like the go-to at Spin Central and then you moved to Hard to Find, right? Is it Hard to yeah, Find? Yeah, Hard to Find, yeah. Um, oh, no, no, no. It was, um, wasn't Hard no, to what Find. What was it called? Um, 
It was the one in Bristol. Oh my god, my memory. I swear it was hard to. No, hard to find was in was in Birmingham. I used to buy from Hard to Find. Um, cause I was talking about this the other day. Oh my, oh god, my god, what happened. was it? Because I was headhunted from Spin Central and yeah. literally gave me like unlimited amounts of money to buy records so i was like buying thousands of units every week like boxes of vinyl i didn't have a clue what i was doing um i'm trying oh, to find it now oh my god it's literally on the tip of my tongue as well how annoying uh it was in I, it was on feeder I mean, road wasn't it i remember where it was yes, yeah. It was, yeah yeah it was so i used to go to bang bang on uh, in bristol shop feeder Feeder Road, Bristol. Surely that's gonna. That's just come up rough, rough trade. Chemical Records. Chemical Records. How did I bloody forget that? Chemical Records. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But I and then I've seen you kind of go into the defected, become more of a DJ, and now literally a household name, pretty much in every city in the world, and. I've seen your personal life change and just everything. You've seen you get married and it's, I'm divorced. and what? I'm divorced. What? <laughs> I didn't even know about this. <laughs> and divorced. Yeah. It's all finalized in two weeks. I did not know this. Which is really funny, Will, because I've obviously been um, filming my documentary for six years. So they've mm. literally been on the, And you're actually in it. We go back to Spin Central, Western yeah. Supermare, right? And the actual title of the documentary is called Married to the Music. And it literally couldn't be more any of the truth. <laughs> I literally am. I'm like, will I ever find my forever guy? I'm literally married to the music. Uh. But no, it's all good. Like, it's amicable. We're still friends. It just, it's just one of them things. Oh, man, I'm not, sorry about that. I didn't know that. Dirty, but no, it's, it's all good. It's all blessed. You know, it's life lessons. Um, and yeah, that, that was quite a lot to deal with coming out of lockdown and going straight back into festival season. Mm. But I really felt like, I mean, I cried my way through last summer, you know, like every, every record that I was playing just felt, I felt so attached and so emotional. And it was actually super, super healing Mm. going through, going through that and going through obviously quite a big breakup um, and coming out the other end. And I'm literally in the best place I've ever been in. I feel like great and really, really, really focused on, on my time ahead and putting, you know, that, that hurt and that pain into music Mm. and just getting lost in that was actually super super healing for me it's really interesting isn't it because like over the years we've both had relationships in if you know what i mean and and how do you find because we're touring so much and i i like i'm sure you don't you know people and i know people that are in really strong relationships and they still tour and they have kids and they do all of that how have you found it over the years? Because you moved to Ibiza, you left Somerset, you've kind of done all of that and you've traveled the world. Like, how do you find that? I mean, you know, it's relationships have to be based on trust, whether you're a DJ or not in any industry. Mm. And I've been, I was really, really lucky with my ex-husband where obviously he was a DJ as well. So we had that mutual, mutual trust. And that's, that's the thing that gets you through every relationship where you don't have that trust because yes, you know, it's, it's a very, very male dominated industry and I'm predominantly around guys all the time, Mm. but I'm a very loyal person. And, um, 
yeah, I think if you haven't got trust and loyalty in relationship, it doesn't work. But I'm just so focused on what I'm doing for the first time in my life. I'm not championing any other artists, bringing yeah. them through in the industry. Um, you know, I'm going off and I've started my own new brand, Cloud9, mm. um, aside from Defected. And I'm just really focused on me and putting all my time and effort into me for the first time. I just haven't got anyone around me and, and any distractions, you know. I'm, I'm like, I'm 40 years old now. And I've been in this game for 20 years yeah. and I feel like all of all of that was like gaining my experience and all my knowledge and I've made kind of you know not a lot of mistakes but you know made certain decisions which if I went back I would change but now it's like I've got another 10 years minimum mm. in front of me um and who knows if I have a family within that within those mm. 10 years it's not really at the forefront of my mind I'm just super focused on making music because really I've kind of made it without making music totally. you know yeah, now yeah. for me i want to i give so much love when i play other people's records i want that feeling when mm. i play my own records you know but i just haven't had the headspace to do that um so i've got some amazing engineers based in mm. toronto now and we've got Sick. some amazing music that we're cooking up and i'm just so excited to be able to play my own records in the clubs and in festivals it's but yeah going back to your question um you know i'm kind of i, I get so much self-satisfaction like my fans and my community give me so much love yeah. um and i've got an amazing team around me as well so I, I, men for me are just a distraction you know it's like i'm good i'm good <laughs> sometimes a good distraction sometimes a bad distraction right yes exactly <laughs> exactly if uh if someone comes along that's going to be super special that could because they're not just taking on me right they're taking no, on yeah whole girl gang yeah. my family my team the industry everything and i'm just kind of not in that headspace that um you know to bring someone into my life if it comes along great but i'm literally married to the music right now i love that and talking about your girl gang i've known them since oh, the i've known them all since day one at, at hush yeah, yeah and literally. it's been super because you don't often see this generally in record labels music industry just life you don't generally yeah. see somebody that's been there from the beginning to current day yeah like how how have you done that again i think it's just really down to my friends and my family like they mm. keep me so grounded and they're like my number one cheerleaders and they're like super super supportive that i can be myself and yeah. you know in the past i've missed you know really big celebrations in my family and friends but i was just so i was so focused on work um and it was only when i got a life coach in lockdown mm. um because i kind of lost it a little bit i had like a mental breakdown i was having really bad anxiety attacks mm. and i was like you know, the same for everyone. I just hit a brick wall. And at first it was fun to have a month off. And then yeah. I'm like, oh my God, are we ever going to get back to it? So I got myself a life coach and um, just kind of went through, I had to work it all out in my head. And that was super, super healing itself. I did a mental health first aid course um, to help with my own mental health problems. I was literally ticking every box. I was like, oh my God, that's me, that's me, that's me. I am actually a lunatic, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, and I just think going through those through the journey and having that roller coaster where it's very, very high sometimes and very, very low sometimes, mm. but having a really, really good team around you to be super, super supportive. And listen, I do everything with my heart on my sleeve. You know, I'm, I'm super 
my journey's been very, very organic. I come from nothing um, and I've built my way up and I've not ever asked for any favours. I've never had to ask for a gig. I've been very lucky Mm. in in that department. I just do everything with compassion and with empathy. And I'm really, really into my community. You know, I give so much back and they give me so much pleasure as well. And I just think, you know, there hasn't really been any dips. It's just been on a a decline the whole time. Mm. And I'm really proud now. I never saw it before before covid but now i'm really proud of my journey um and to be able to still be doing this 20 years and i've still got so many more years ahead of me um it's about having a happy balanced life now and having my life coach has really helped me to understand the work and personal life balance i think that's super important i'm doing a lot more self-care i'm turning into a bit of a hippie like tomorrow i've got sound healing fuck's sake sam what happened (laughs) oh my god i've I've gone from taking like loads of pills every weekend back in the day to like now like taking mushrooms on a Sunday it's really funny actually we used to call Sundays at my house super Sundays and now they're called spiritual Sundays we do like fucking hell and and we drink like sleepy teas and instead of being like hanging on a Monday I'm like ready to go on a Monday you know, it's done a full circle. I think that's probably getting older as well. You know, I just, I just haven't got it in me anymore. I think, I think it's also uh, learning about yourself and who you actually are, because I think it's very easy as this industry goes is to get wrecked every weekend and kind of just go along with what everyone else is doing. And you, you forget that nobody else that you're getting wrecked with is actually working. This is your job. Yeah, absolutely. They all have a nine to five to go back to the next day or a lot of people do. And I think it can catch up on on a lot of us, but it's super nice to hear you have gone through that during COVID because yeah. it's something that I struggle with. Is that whole like I don't know I don't know if I necessarily agree with the term work life balance because we don't have our life is our work if you know what I mean yeah. realistically. But I think are you at the point now where you're turning down gigs because you just don't want to you're taking more time off. I'm so no. I mean, I've just recently taken on management. I didn't yeah. have management you're for four years. You're and with Paul now. Yeah, with Paul, he's big up Capricorn Paul, Mrs. Delphire. I like to call him. I absolutely adore the guys and they've just got so much compassion for me, you know. And it's like when I first signed with them in December that you know he blocked out two weekends and I'm like I'm gonna go do a detox on that weekend or I'm gonna go and do a week in Ibiza and Mm. you know and and do the whole kind of the island life of it and I'm I'm not going to Ibiza to party now you know I'm actually last summer I started driving to all my shows Mm. and it was a game changer because I'm not drinking I'm on top form like I actually way prefer now DJing sober Mm. um and especially on this tour like where I can my rule is anything over four hours I'll get a train anything under that I'll drive and it's really been it's made such a difference in my life playing sober and I just can't stress enough everyone should do it you know because it is just and I know you're sober as well right I remember you always like with a can of uh Red Bull in your hand at like every (laughs) single show but yeah it's just been a game changer for me and it's really really helped with my mental health you know and it just got to the point where I'm like I've been doing this for 20 years I'm tired Mm exhausted like Mm. it takes me three or four days to get over a big bender now and i'm just like i just if i want to sustain this like i keep saying you know for the next 10 years i've I've got to start looking after myself and and my whole crew have been amazing my team have been amazing like my advancing team i have a sober rider and i have a crew rider yeah 
crew rider I normally just bring home, but you know, my sober rider has like pressed juices on it and yeah. organic, you know, chocolate bars and sparkling water and cucumber. That's my vibe at the minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's yeah, I just I just feel great. I feel mm. great for being sober. The first few shows, I was like, oh my god, pass me the tequila. Like I'm shaking, I'm nervous, but you know, I I, I got through that. And now it's like it's light work for me now. So are you not drinking at all? Not at my shows if I'm driving. No. Cool. That's amazing. Which is pretty much all of my shows, right? Yeah. Unless I'm flying somewhere. Yeah. But then I've always got an early flight the next day. Like mm. on my US on my US tours, if I'm away for like four weeks, I will let my hair down on the last gig, yeah. Yeah. you know, and then I'll book a flight for like two days later or something. Mm. Um, but I'm just really enjoying being sober. Really, really enjoying being sober. Do you see the club and the shows in a different light? Like, does it? Does, yeah. Completely. I mean, A, I see that everyone is really, really mash up. And <laughs> it's I'm like, proper. Whoa. Proper, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've never noticed it before. I said to I said to Paul, actually, I was like, am I just getting older? Or is like mm. people getting more and more like Fuck absolutely that. hammered and they're getting younger? And he's like, no, it's the UK crowds. <laughs> the UK crowd is terrible for it. Wild. Absolutely wild. I, it, I, yeah, because I don't often play here. And then when I did a few shows last summer, I played like Mintfest. Yeah. Of course, like Mintfest is like, it's Big young. Yeah. Big it's epic, but they're young, if you know what I mean. And it was straight out of COVID. It was like the first festival after COVID. Oh, so wow. like you pretty much had a bunch of 16-year-olds that had just turned 18, really. Yeah, absolutely. Never been to a festival yeah. or club before. So yeah. they were like fucking... Pac-Man just eating yeah. pills left, right, and center. All these at the end of the night, I hate closing because they're just like Rang, sunglasses hanging off their faces. Yeah. But hey, I'm here for it because that used to be me. That did used to be me. Um, but you you've definitely noticed those things a lot more. And I actually, I'm digging deeper for records. I'm being more exper experimental. I'm playing like liquid drum and bass in my sets. I'm Sick. playing garage. I'm playing hip hop, which by the way, your dead press. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> That is literally my secret weapon. Like, there's nowhere in the world where it doesn't work. Really? And I've literally got started getting the whole crowd going, I haven't played that for years. Like, no, that is literally my secret weapon. Somebody asked me for it the other day, and I was like, I don't have it. Like, I literally don't have it anywhere. Don't give it to anyone else. No. <laughs> I was like, you're going to have to find it online somewhere because it's not, yeah. it's not here. Um, yeah, but I'm definitely experimenting more and I probably wouldn't have done that if I wasn't sober because mm. I didn't really have... When you drink, you kind of have this um, false confidence, yeah. I guess. Um, and the amount of times where I would either leave USBs or not even remember what my last record was, mm. and that was happening way too often. Mm. So I actually did the 90 Days Sober um, for Sober October. Yeah in 2019 and I did Defected Closing that was my first ever sober gig in Ibiza for the past 16 years and I literally remember sitting in the corner and I had to barricade myself all my friends kind of did like this semicircle around me because I couldn't talk to anyone people coming up to me like oh spitting in my ear, <laughs> in my ear. I was just like everyone get away from me yeah. it was horrendous it was absolutely horrendous but now I like do my star jumps I'm gonna start taking sage because I'm like protects me from oh my god <laughs> who have you turned into Sam <laughs> Look, I'm wearing tie-dye, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. Sage is, like, super American 
for me, like it's like a, a super American. So I'm, I hope nobody gets offended by this, but super American <laughs> female. And every time I go into a house and I know they've been burning sage, I'm like, why? It smells like shit. It's fucking awful. She smells like bo. Yeah, it's awful. I'm used to it now. I actually quite like it. But the first time I was like, oh, someone's like smelling funky in here, and they were like, no, I'm just saging. <laughs> My mum absolutely hates it. My mum's living with me at the moment, um, getting get my house ready to sell. But she's like, what is that smell? I'm like, oh, mum, I'm just saging. She's old school. That's why. Yeah, I literally. Get it. <laughs> I want to um, go back to the beginning of your career. I want to kind of go through step by step because you've had a proper fucking journey. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people will be really interested because I think a lot of people are learning who you are in different territories and kind of they're like, Oh, Sam divine. But it's like, they don't know what's happened or how hard you've worked to get there. Yeah. Um, so Ibiza, I feel like for me and tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Ibiza was kind of the start of yeah. DJing for Sam divine. Well, it wasn't even Sam divine then, was it? Yeah. Mr. Divine. I dollar dollar divine actually. Yeah. Can, can you remember Charlie's angels? Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> with Vicky Divine. Yeah, who who? I was shit for having the um, the same name as her. Yeah, who was the other girl that did that with you guys? It was um, love. Uh, no, not lovely Laura. It was a girl called Laura, which is actually how I ended up with the residency at Hush. Yeah, because Laura and uh, Vicky were kind of the only two, and Clara to um, Clara to Costa. Um, were the only kind of three prominent mm. resident DJs. Um, oh, and Sarah Main as well, actually, Pasha resident. Oh, yeah, Sarah. Yeah. yeah, they were kind of like the only prominent female DJs on the island mm. at that time. Um, and obviously had the residency at Charlie's Angels and, and Laura and I used to play back-to-back on vinyl. Mm. We pretty much did the whole of the West End from top to bottom. Yeah. And she was actually resident at Hush, who actually got me into Hush to mm. start with. And we were doing some back-to-backs, I think, like, every Tuesday. And it got to the end of the summer, and she just broke up with her fella. So she, like, was coming in, crying all the time. She was super emotional, as us women do on breakups. Um, and literally, Jimmy, the, the, the guy yeah. who was running the, um, Hush at the time, was just like... She's too emotional. You've got the residency next year. So it's by absolute fluke because she was a way better DJ than me. She yeah. was amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I came back the next year and, and was resident at Hush and completely made it my own. Yeah. You know, it was like the place to go, the workers' bar. And it was amazing. Like, I had a five year residency. It was so cool because I could book all my friends. Mm. And we just had so much fun. Like, yeah. there was no pretentious. It was just like, you know, sometimes I play seven hour sets from mm. 11 till, till 6 a.m in the morning um you know i'd be in there as soon as the bar opened i'd be sat at the computer downloading all my promos and then playing them for the first time for the first couple of years it was vinyl and then they got sponsored by pioneer so they took one of the decks away and i was like what am i gonna do so i was like burning loads and loads of cds and then the year after year after i went back um they took the vinyl decks away and it was it was a sad moment Mm. um but then you could literally download shit on the fly and just play it, yeah, you know, yeah. or someone would ask you for a track and I'll be like, yeah, two seconds, I can download it and play it. But I really, I learned so much from Hush because yeah. you couldn't pay to get in, mm. right? So if people stood at the bar and you played a track that they didn't like, they would leave. Yeah. So for, it was it was a challenge for me every single night. I played six nights a week. It was a challenge for me to keep people in there. So yeah. you learn 
so much from that doing warm up or closing and playing that peak time and it went off every single night for like the five summers that I was there and it was it was a really beautiful time in my career you know I met so many amazing people I got books off the back of that in like Italy mm. and just all these other places and then obviously got signed to defected in um in 2009 which was kind of like my last my last summer in the west end but yeah. i am west end till i die <laughs> you know going on shot runs and meeting all my best friends in in san antonio and yeah it, it was such a a big part of my career and it was amazing to go back actually last summer i mean hush is it's reopened but to actually stand outside to hush and be like oh my god this is where this it all started. started yeah Crazy. i, I never Crazy. forget the first night that i came there i think the first night i came I played but then when I started going to Ibiza and living there for a few summers Hush was like the place to go for all the workers and to yeah. hang out and I've had so many good times in that place oh. like and when you start playing there more and you kind of know all the crew as well it was just like I remember some of the stories and then you I always remember Stephen yes oh my gosh Stephen and the twins the twins whenever I used to play I think it was like solo face so Frankie was the PR yeah and she used to go to DC 10 on a Monday be there all day come back and PR absolutely off her face on mushrooms and she'd have this net and she literally used to like people be walking past and she'd put it over their heads and just drag them into the bar it was such an amazing girl gang even back then yeah you know? it was and yeah on the fridges dancing and it was just it, i was oh, in love with those twins oh the twins i still see them actually really how are they yeah, amazing yeah they've all got free babies all got kids now haven't yeah, they right? yeah, yeah 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 and it's so nice to go back as mm. well and, and and see everyone like the old crew the hush crew was like the best yes. crew um do you still then, do you still speak to jimmy no, I've not spoke to Jimmy in ages. Actually, he he did the sound system for a club um, locally to me, and mm. I played, and it was like, yeah, this sound system bangs. I definitely know Jimmy's put his hand to this. Yeah, Jimmy's sound systems were great. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. So then, you, how did the whole defected thing come across? So in. So when I, I had the residency at Hush mm. six nights a week and my one night off was a Tuesday and Defected was at Pasha on a Tuesday. So I used to go every Tuesday. Um, I'm going back, actually, because I did five five seasons, but in the winter, obviously, I moved, I moved to London yeah. in 2015. And I was working in a record shop called Oatmeal Records in Notting Hill and Aaron Ross, the A&R of Defected, mm. used to come in and buy vinyl for me. So he was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to Ibiza next summer, you know, to do, to do the season. He was like, come to Defected, I'll get you guest list. Yeah. Um, so I bump into him and then met Simon and he was like, you're the girl that's always at the front of the dance floor singing all the words to all the affected records i'm like that's me can i have any promos please yeah. um so every week you know i'd go and hang out with erin and and bump into simon and just kind of got a face um you know at defected parties yeah. really and then when they were doing their parties in london i'd go to all them as well and um Tony Garvey called me into the office and he was like, how do you feel about being defected street team? Mm. Street team meaning just me, basically. They created this uh, this job for me. And it meant in Ibiza, I would service all the DJs with either CDs or vinyls yeah. or T-shirts or anything like that. I'd go around all the all the clubs mm. um, from like Amnesia to DC10 to Pasha. Um, 
and hand out all these CDs and then I'd go back the next week with my little notepad what did you think of that record yeah. or I'd be at a club and I'd hear it playing so I'd report that back to mm. them and in 2009 um so at the end of that summer Simon called me in the office I remember it so vividly I met him in Oxford Street and we jumped in a black cab and we were heading to the office for a meeting and he was like how do you feel about being defected events manager next summer and I was like Okay. Obviously, I'd run my own parties with Camilla. We did. We were doing Levita. Yeah. Never anything on that scale. But I thought I called my dad, and he was like, "Do it." Yeah. And I was like, "Okay, let's do it." And I literally was booking all the flights for the artists. I was kind of artist liaison. Um, so I did all that groundwork. In were the you still office. doing Hush at this time as well? I was still doing Hush. Yeah. yeah, I was still doing Hush, but not obviously as many nights. Yeah. Um, and then got to Ibiza, events manager for... So I was basically setting up the pre-party at Mambo every week. I was picking up all the DJs. I was also running the Defected show on Ibiza Global Radio. Mm. So I'd go and do that before the show, go home quickly, get changed, and go back to Mambo's, do the pre-party, then go to Pasha. I'd do the warm-up at Pasha mm. and then look after all the DJs until the lights came on, got them all back to their hotels. Next day, pick them up, take them back to the airport, and they'll be like... Uh, I can breathe and then the next week it all started again you know did that for five months I don't don't think people realize like when you actually work in Ibiza there's working and there's working oh my god like I was working yeah and this is like even when I was out there I was working seven days a week 18 hours a day like the graft you have to and hustle and and can you imagine like there's hundreds of djs that turn up on that island every single summer so you've got so much competition around you i mean you're really lucky if you get you had a residency at the orange corner right i was my first residency was orange corner and then kenya yeah Yeah, kenya yeah Yeah, both both amazing like sunset spots and if you can get a residency and you're you know you come back year after year like I said, there's just so many DJs that are turning up that might even be better than you, but they haven't got the confidence. They don't yeah, have yeah. the the links or, you know, like I remember my first summer in IB that I was literally burning off CDs and going up and down the West mm. End, just handing them out yeah. to clubs, hoping that, that you'd get a set. I mean, you'd literally play for booze. Yeah. You know, and like, I think I lived off subways and pot noodles um, and lays for like a whole summer, one yeah. summer, because I could just about afford my rent, you know, but I just wanted to be in Ibiza. Um, and that's what makes you just keep coming back. But after after that summer in 2009, Simon flew me back to play Ministry of Sound. Yeah. And I remember playing Kings of Tomorrow finally, and I got up on the decks, because that was a thing in Ibiza, right? I got up on the decks at Ministry, and I was like singing, you know, the, all the words. But I had like 50 of my crew at the front. It was absolutely rocking. And I clocked Simon, and he was stood um, just by the booth uh, where the bar was, just kind of like smiling and shaking his head. And then on the Monday, I got signed to the defected roster. Sick. I love that. Yeah. How, so it was like... How does that feel when you like put all the effort in put all the hours in and then you get to that point where you're like yeah you're part of the crew it was it was a very euphoric moment for me because going back before just starting out as a dj i mean i played hard house for two years right um 
months. And then when I started working in Spin Central and kind of had my defected shrine, you yeah. know, I just had one rack just for defected. And obviously then going to defected parties in London and then doing my first season in Ibiza. So, you know, I've, I've been a big fan of defected records from like since they began, since the first release, you know, Soul Searcher can't get enough. So to actually be signed to defected, it was... It, it was such a it was such a big feeling because coming from Western Supermare where there was no there was nothing going on no. in Western you know not a lot of people out of Western are really doing great things not in in the nicest possible way totally. like there was a lot yeah. of you know there's a lot of hardship in Western mm. um, you know my mum still lives on the same council estate you yeah. know and it's lush going back and seeing everyone again. They're like, Oh my God, we're so proud of you. Yeah, like someone yeah. from Western made it. Yeah. So it, it really meant probably a lot more to me than it probably any of the other DJs that have kind of been signed to defected mm, now, because yeah, it was, yeah. It, it just, yeah. Coming from nothing and, you know, as coming from, you know, someone who grew up on school, you know, free school meals and, mm. You know, my mum in and out of hospital with her mental health and not really going to school. Like, I can't really, you know, can't spare. I can't do my times tables or yeah, any of those yeah, things, yeah. you know. Not that they matter now, um, apart from when I'm adding up my checks. <laughs> <laughs> but all of those things, like, it just, it just meant so much to me, yeah. you know, because I felt like I was doing it for everyone else as well. Mm. And I feel like I really opened up the doors for so many other female DJs that are now coming through and I can be yeah. their inspiration. And I just want to be such a good role model, not just for females coming through, but for anyone coming through that like you can literally come from nothing mm. and you can achieve amazing things. You know, I get to travel all around the world now, you know, I'm on my third passport where it's been stamped every single page. And it's just like, I never ever dreams that I could take, you know, DJ this far without really being a producer. Mm. I can't, I flirt with producing all the time, you know, yeah, but I yeah. really have made it just for being a really good DJ. Yeah, there's not many people out there that are just DJs. Yeah. And that that like are happily not saying that they're they're not producers. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And and I think it's really important because gone are the days now of where you can do that. Really? Like <laughs> Yeah. There's not yeah. many people that can not release a record to start their career and get booked. And you've done it the whole yeah. the whole way. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely feel like obviously starting a record label um, and having my radio shows as well have yeah. been like such a big part that I've been able to because I'm literally at the forefront of people mm -hmm. every single week I do you know I do my kiss show national radio I do my defected radio yeah. show um obviously started my record label divine sounds so I'm still can be at the forefront and actually kind of live my life mm -hmm. through up and coming DJs and giving them the platform yeah. with, with my record label and being able to support their music on the radio show. Mm. You know, when I play anyone's record, I feel like it's mine anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm like, I just love the record so much and I champion it. And I, and it's amazing to watch the artists that I've really, really championed, whether it's on radio, um, through the record label or just in sets to then see them, their progression uh, and yeah. their grow. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been amazing um, because I don't have, I just feel like I just want to, I just want to play music mm. and I just want to have the best time now, you know, and I, and I'm, and I'm so, so blessed and lucky that I can do that. But like I said, I have got, I've written a breakup track. 
I'm I'm really really scared to release it but I mean I actually wrote the lyrics when I was in LA and I just felt I just picked up a pen and paper and it was very very self-healing and um I can't wait to share it with everyone but it's yeah it's more of a like a passion project more than anything you know I don't care about chart positions I don't care who's playing it if I love it and I'm playing it then that's good enough for me but I really do hope everyone enjoys it as well Well, I think that's really important to say because I think as as a producer when you're trying to become somebody in the industry we rely on people streaming our records we rely on chart positions we rely on playlist positions etc etc you're in a situation where you don't need that yeah and truly by releasing i don't know i could be wrong but like by you releasing music is purely just because you want to release music you don't have to release music yeah like i have to release music if i if i don't release music eventually people will forget about who will clark is where you've you've built a career purely based on mixing and selecting records and playing fucking banging sets and i think that's really amazing because it goes to show it can be done if you're willing to put the work in yeah absolutely i think i do you think it takes longer um if you're not if you're not putting out music Mm. just starting out or for Mm. me in particular just generally if if somebody was to be like okay i want to do what sam's done yeah do you think it's do you think it's faster if you produce music or do you think? Do you know what it is now, Will, is that everyone's got a manager and an agent now yeah. that are coming through, you know? So, I mean, I've seen artists that have been on the scene for two seconds, mm. but they've got a really good manager and a really good agent and they're not particularly re- releasing very good music. Yeah. But I see them playing, all right, they might still be in tier four on festival lineups, but they're doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think, you know, we came from an era where you didn't have a manager, you didn't have an agent. Like all my bookings came in through MySpace. I got my first European booking through MySpace. You know, you have your little page and you have your, I think I had like, Curing the Cool's Fish Go Deep as like my my track on my (laughs) kids. Who were your top five? Oh my God. Tom was definitely mine. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But it was, it was so much like it really was a graph. I'm not saying that it's not a graph now because you know, up and coming DJs are working really, really hard, but they've got that support network. They've got that leverage where they're on agencies with bigger artists. Like, okay, well, if you book this artist, then you need to book my artist, you know, where we just come from an era where that didn't happen. So I feel like, the journey and the absolute hustle and graft, you know, it's been so authentic and I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I really wouldn't have because I've just, I've got so much experience Mm. now and so much knowledge. um, That to me is absolutely priceless. I wouldn't go back and change a single thing. Yeah. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day about this and they were like, would you go back and change it? And I was like, hypothetically, like what would I have done different? And there was probably lots of things I would have done different, but realistically it's like, I wouldn't know about those things if I didn't do them. It's organic. Yeah. It's- and I think also the industry's changed so much over yeah. like, and without sounding like an old man and going like it was better back in the day, but it was, it felt like it was more 
of a community back then because it was much smaller. Yeah. Much yeah. smaller. And like the, it wasn't huge money back in the day. There wasn't yeah. that much money in it, if you know what I mean. DJs were just DJ to to cover their rent and kind of make a bit of cash. There wasn't yeah. many people making a shit ton of money yeah. where it is now, if you know what I mean. If you, if you sat down and and... 20 years ago in spin central said in 20 years you're going to be earning 10 20 30 grand a show yeah like you wouldn't fucking believe it i'm paying i was playing for my fuel money yeah literally playing for playing for like 80 quid yeah you know and um and then still not even if i had if i had 20 quid left over i'd buy like four records yeah you know because it was just like you were doing your dream job and money wasn't money didn't come into it and now there's just so much competition so many egos like mm. <clears throat> there was a point at the start of lockdown where i was like i wasn't even enjoying djing leading up to that moment yeah, yeah, yeah. i was just like i don't even know if i want to be a dj anymore yeah. Like, I wasn't enjoying my shows. I was exhausted. Exhausted with sometimes you can't help because I don't watch what anyone else is doing. You and I are both in our own lanes. I think that's what probably makes us unique as well in in that way. You know, we're not trying to be anyone else or copy anyone else, you know. But there was a time where I felt like, why is that person playing mm. that festival and I'm not playing that? And why is that person doing that? And and you just become, you you lose sight of, of, yeah. of who you are. Who is Sam Divine? And I just didn't know anymore. Yeah. I was like, but I deserve to be playing on that festival. Mm. I've been doing it longer than that person. Yeah. All right, I don't have the Spotify hits, yeah. but my social media numbers mm. by a country mile. And it just got, I felt like I was kind of, getting cheated if you yeah. like and yeah, i was yeah. just like i just don't know how much longer i have the strength to battle these guys anymore mm. i really really don't mm. and then obviously lockdown hit and you know i was like okay if i'm gonna come out of this strong i really need to get sober mm. i really need to work on myself and i need to find why i love djing again mm. and thank God, I did, you know, because I am really loving DJing again. And yeah. it actually is going back to nostalgic moments, going through my slapper case wallet again, through my yeah. CDs. Oh, that's why I fell in love. Got yeah. my vinyl from my dad's warehouse in Bristol, set up my decks. I'm almost like in my live stream booth. It looks like a little record shop. It looks like a little spin central yeah. again. <laughs> and I've got my racks of vinyl behind yeah. me and just was going through vinyl again. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is why I love music again and actually having you know a sober mind and and more of a focused mind i'm really like you know i love traveling again mm. i actually when my flight's delayed i'm like oh flight's delayed yeah. annoying but whatever there's nothing i can do about it. it's cool whereas before i'd be so hung over mm. i'd be like how can i get out of doing the next show i just want to go home yeah you know the mindset completely completely changed um i think i, I think I'm, also that whole it changes when sometimes when you're just fully in it all the time like it's i can catch myself doing it now and it's more so with me in america when we're talking like american shows and things like that because i'm bigger in america than i am in most other places it's like it's a business for me if you know what i mean and if we're not getting the lineups that we, or the festival shows or we're not getting the right fees, it's like, why the fuck are we not getting this? Why? Like, yeah. and then 
the last, like I've been back home on and off for the last like six weeks, played a few shows in Europe, played Berlin, Vienna and um, somewhere else. I can't remember. Oh, uh, Slovenia. And like the fees are like, honestly, the fees are terrible, if you know what I mean. But but I'm going and just loving it because there's zero pressure. There's zero pressure. I, yeah. All I need to do is win the crowd over. Like none of the crowd know yeah. who I am. And if 10 people know yeah. who I am, then fucking winning. But yeah. all I need to do is go and play records that I love, that I know they're going to yeah. work in a, in a crowd. And I'm yeah. not worrying about ticket sales. I'm not worrying if people t- sh- show up. And like, it's actually made me realize like how much I love it when I'm not thinking of the business side of it. And it makes me realize I don't care how much I earn on this. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I, I, cause I love it so much. It's a different energy. It's definitely a different energy mm. and it makes you, it keeps you super, super grounded as yeah. well. You know, like I've just started my new brand cloud nine and it was very challenging putting nine dates together in the UK. Cause it's the last time that I actually playing in any clubs in the UK until um, basically the end of winter. Yeah. Um, and there was like two shows that we didn't sell out. And I'm like, stress and i'm like oh my god we haven't sold enough tickets mm. like and then i've got there and i'm like oh my god am i a shit dj like mm. no one wants to come and see me play and like all this pressure and then but the next one we sold out bristol big up bristol we sold that one yes. out and it was one of my favorites on the tour so it's 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 like that all the time and i have to remind myself they're not always every single one is going to be great you can ask patrick Toppin or jamie jones or hot since 82 or anyone mm are your shows 10, 10 every single time? The answer is probably going to be not, no. you know, and we just put so much pressure on ourselves. And at the end of the DJ, at the end of the day, we are there to just play good music yeah. and to rock the crowd. And if you lose sight of that, then you've lost, then mm. you've completely lost. You know, you just go through it. You know, as I was saying before, look, I was just going through the motions. Yeah. I wasn't even bothered about what music that I played. I mm. just didn't want to be there. Yeah. I did not want to be there. And those shows kill your soul. They do. Absolutely they do. kill your soul. You know, we are very creative. We are very emotional mm. people. And we we put that emotion onto the dance floor, you know, and get that energy back. And when you've got that crowd in the palm of your hands, there's nothing better. And when you haven't got any stresses or anything around you, you know, you come off the decks, like it's like a drug. Mm. It's like, wow, the adrenaline. And you just like, it's the most unbelievable feeling in the world. So when you're up there, it's like watching paint dry. You can't wait to get off. And yeah, this tour is definitely, I've grown, definitely. I've started, like I said, I started playing liquid drum and bass, dropping hip hop, drinking, um, dropping garage. And it's been a breath of fresh air. Mm, yeah, yeah, I love it's that. An absolute breath of fresh air. And I can't wait to get into, you know, back over to the States next week. Um, can't wait to like get back into festival season mm. with, you know, full capacity. I'm just ready for the summer. Yeah. And I'm just going to put all this you know, this energy in into everything that I'm doing this summer, you know, and I want all my shows to be 10-10, but if they're not, they're not. I'm not going to be hard on myself anymore. No, I, th- I think I think it's just self-reflection is mm. really important in life generally, but f- especially for this when we are the businessman, businesswoman, and also the artist, yeah, because those two just don't. I've, I've they they just don't mix. They, put your hats on. Yeah, and 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 it just doesn't work. But I guess how does having a good team help you 
a rat generally? Do you know what? I literally, I had, um, I had a, I had a meeting with my accountant and my management a couple of days ago. And they were like, if you carry on spending the way you're spending, you know, because I'm, I'm saving for a house, I'm saving, you know, selling this house this summer and getting a new house and I want to get a new car. And cause obviously I'm sober now. So, yeah. you know, I am a girl racer from back in the day. <laughs> what was your car back in the day? I had a, um, oh, well, my first ever car was like a mini Metro yeah. that my mum got me and I put 16 inch wheels on it and I had to <laughs> hacksaw, I had to hacksaw the, um, the bit at the front so that, so that the wheels turn. would turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I had a Corsa GSI 16 bar with a full body kit on it. I put a four grand sound system in it and literally it was so loud. My nose used to like tingle and I used to like cruise around McDonald's. I was like shot in weed at the time as well. It's like cruising around McDonald's, like <laughs> playing a hip hop or something. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm going to get a new car. The first thing that I'm doing is putting 22 inch rims on it. And Still not changed. You cannot take the girl out of Western Supermare, Willie. You cannot take the girl out of Western Supermare. If anybody that doesn't know as well, the McDonald's at Western Supermare was like the cruising. It was like the cruisers where all the cruise kids, all the like tomboys and not tomboys, all the boy racers and girl racers would hang. I think yeah. I think it still is. It still is. Yeah, yeah. Because I went back to Western a few weeks ago. I'm glad we didn't get to catch know, up actually. Yeah. But yeah, we used to cruise up and down the seafront and then park up. And yeah, what God, what a time to be alive absolutely amazing they were the easy days right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly oh my god up vaults every saturday oh god it was amazing yeah, good, times, good man. Times. good time i've got nothing but good memories from western sea from there but yeah like i was saying i had a meeting with my accountant and they were basically you know telling me off for for my spending habits but i actually cried on the call because it's the first time that i've had a team around me that like genuinely care, care yeah. and they genuinely want me to achieve my goals mm. and everyone's like in my corner and like mm. you know my number one kind of cheerleaders and I got so emotional because I was like I'm so blessed to have this team around mm. me you know I've got a solid team now like from there's you know I've just taken on a new intern Molly who's amazing you know mm. to help out with the day-to-day -day stuff and got my management team my agency my advancing team you know Mills big up Mills you know she's been a huge help on the cloud nine tour she's been tour managing me and we're kind of like salt and pepper you know mm. we're, we're, we're stuck to each other's sides throughout well for the past 15 years yeah. but it is so important and, I, and it's taken me 20 years to get that team right you know they do say you know it takes time for for everything and, and it's so true and now I just feel like I can really be true to myself as an artist finally I can play the music that I really really love and not having to play my jack get out of jail card records you know if you yeah. don't like this music cool Fuck you off. don't have to follow me you don't <laughs> yeah, have yeah. to love me you know yeah don't just don't come to the next show and i'm okay with that mm. i've made peace with that yeah you know i'm not, I'm not there to impress anyone in the industry mm. anymore you know well, i don't I felt... think you need to this is the thing i think you, yeah. i think you're at the point now where well you definitely are at the point where you just have to do you and yeah. and if people don't want that then fine but if people there's always gonna be people that do and yeah. no matter how many people that is that people do like it's great yeah, exactly. And, you know, I I really proud myself that people respect me as yeah. an artist. And that's all I said from day one. As mm. long as I'm respected 
by my peers and mm. you know everyone else is like that's all I care about is respect yeah. and that is why I've you know I've hustled and I've done it the right way and hopefully people do respect my journey mm. you know and um yeah I just can't wait for this summer what's can't. what's this whole cloud nine thing then so cloud nine were basically was born in lockdown mm. um when we did the first ever live stream defected at ministry of sound which is amazing how they pulled that together in like three days we were in lockdown it's like right let's do a live stream and i was in the ministry booth and it was very kind of like what's the word it was it was eerie yeah it was really really eerie but it was really magical as well Mm. the facts that i played at ministry slammed out so many times and literally to play to no one yeah on the dance floor and i actually took my slapper case cd wallet because i thought i don't want to play anything new i just want to play all nostalgic mm. records and something just lightened in me and mm. i got off the decks and i was like got goosebumps thinking about it now i was like i feel like i'm on cloud nine right now just something happened in that booth and it was just like you said, I had no one to impress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew people were watching at home, but it was just me, a dance floor, lighting, and like my favorite dancers actually mm. as well. And yeah, all weekend I kept saying, Oh my God, I feel like I'm on Cloud Nine. Like that was amazing. And Mill said to me, Cloud Nine Divine, you got to do something with that. And yeah. I was like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, as the time went on throughout lockdown, I was like, Yeah, let's do something with this. Mm. So I called up my agent. I was like, got a new brand it's called cloud nine can you put me a uk tour together um we'll do nine dates and i want people to come away from the cloud nine events feeling like they're on cloud nine Mm. um and cloud nine was born amazing yeah what's the concept behind it though is it just you yeah it's just me yeah 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 and and, you know i've been doing extended sets playing in all my favorite cities Mm. um i've actually had a lot of female DJs as well cool. on the tour, which has been amazing to be able to give them yeah. their platform as well. Um, and like I said, being able to play garage, hip hop, mm. drum and bass, like my last record is always Hybrid Minds Touch. Like when I first started playing it, I was like, I pl- started playing it in Australia and I was literally crying and I had girls crying. And I was like, why am I crying? Like, I'm so emotional. Um, and I just bought that, I bought that record to the States and it just went off. I mm. bought that to the UK and it went off. So it's like literally my closing track, everyone leaves on a high and yeah, hopefully everyone leaves, feels like they're on cloud nine. And it was just something to do outside of defected yeah. you know, to be able to play, I play a lot of obviously the UK shows with defected, especially London. I, this is my first, so the closing party is um, this weekend on Saturday and it's the first time that I've ever put my own event on. I mean, it's taken me 20 years, which is just ridiculous. Um, but it's my first show in London on my own. Still yard, I've chosen right? the lineup. It's a female lineup. Sick. Yeah, is it, is it and I'm just, and I'm really excited. You know, we'll put it to bed till next year. It's just, it's just something that I own that's yeah. mine. I can create the lineup. I dictate what music's played as well for myself. You know, I can mm. be totally, totally free. Not that I'm saying I'm not free when I play other shows, but I mean, I don't know how well def- uh, drum and bass records going to go down at Defect. Well, you're not attached to anything, right? It, when when you're doing it yourself, you're not attached to a brand that is known yeah. for one thing. Defect is known for a genre of music and kind of yeah. just like any night, if you know, if you go to drum code night, you know what you're going to get. It's, it's kind yeah. of, it's on the tin. Um, yeah. 
it's nice being able to play extended sets because we don't get to do it now again nowadays yeah exactly and i was like i was gonna do i'm doing an extended set in london i was going for my rec um records and i was like i've got like an eight hour set for three hours and i'm like yeah i'm good to go and i'm putting out stuff from like 2005 mm. mixing it in with like new records and just we're just gonna have a party and yeah. that's what it's about right it's about having a party if you're not making people dance then you're a shit dj period you know? i totally agree I, it's not yeah I want hunt there's so many people I'm sure you you've seen over the years where they're extremely famous DJs and you yeah. go and see them play and you're like what the fuck is this about like come on mate I know and they're they're the fuckers that run like 50 bags literally <laughs> literally I'll never make that I would never make that in my lifetime what is that oh my god yeah I like each to their own you know each to their own I'm just I'm just really really happy for anyone to make money in this industry right it's pretty amazing it's pretty amazing exactly how, how, are you, how are you how do you find it at the moment with the whole kind of equal women rights in not women rights but like you know what I'm saying <sighs> I know you, I know you, cause I, cause I know you've been doing it for so long. Yeah. So it, I know there's going to be a bit of a different side well, to this story. I mean, in lockdown, now everyone's a DJ, right? Cause it was mm -hmm. so easy to get, you know, decks and everyone's, you know, everyone's a DJ now. And there's this big thing of, you know, it's not female versus no. guys. And I feel like there's some movements that are making it that, mm. and it really isn't about that. You get books if you're a good if you're a good human being, yeah. it doesn't matter, you know, everything else that comes with it. That's, mm. That shouldn't even come into it. You should get booked because you're a good DJ yeah. and you're a human being. You know, I, I get the arguments, but I tend not to get too much involved. Like mm. I champion female DJs till the bitter end, yeah. you know, because I have experienced sexism in the industry you know but i've got such tough skin at the time a situation might have been sexist but i've just brushed it off yeah. and i'm just like i'm just doing my thing mm. so i try not to i watch it from afar but i don't tend to get into it too much you know because i just really do feel like sometimes the lines are very very blurred yeah you get because you're Good DJ, period. I think you that's know? changed though. Um, I think the arguments are making it change. I, th I think mm. that more people are talking about it and, and more conversations are happening about yeah. it. But I mean, it's been very rare that I've had a situation like that. So whether I've just been completely blind to it, yeah, whether it just hasn't happened, I, yeah, because I think I think that. I don't know. I like tell me if you feel I'm wrong, but I think with you it's different because you're just such a staple in the industry. You're yeah. not you're not coming up new now. You're not learning yeah. how to DJ now. You're not learning to produce now. You're like you've been in it for so long. Yeah. I think now people are getting booked because people just want to be shown to be booking more females. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think if that's the way the industry has to go to get it to level out, then I'm, I'm for, for it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's just, it's tough. It's really tough. But also it, my argument is that a lot of promoters will book producers mm. yeah. and there's not many female 
producers. No. So that's kind of been my argument and how I've looked at it when this started being a thing. I was looking at it from a promoter's point of view. Mm. You get books. I mean, it's different. I get books from Defected because I'm under, you yeah. know, biggest record label in the galaxy. Yeah. But for I didn't see many female DJs on lineups because they're not producers. Yeah. And it was always the way, how many tickets can you sell? Mm-hmm. So that's why you're getting booked. Yeah. So... But I do, I do, you know, I do get it. And if you don't book a female DJ and they could smash it, then how are you going to ever know if yeah, you don't yeah. book them? Yeah. You know, but it should, but it should also, but I kind of feel like the guys are getting a bit of a rough deal on this as well. There's no comment from me because whatever I say is not going to be right. <laughs> That's why I kind of just pussyfoot around it a little bit. I, I, you know. Yeah, but I, I, I will be honest and I, I happily stand by this is that I just wish people would book good music 100 that's all i give a fuck about and 100%. i i really despise it when people are just getting booked because of they're a female or because of the I color agree. of their skin i, I think agree. there's so much good out there there is female and male and trans yeah. and black and white and asian yeah. everything there's so much good out there just yeah. do your fucking job as a booker or a promoter or an agent yeah. and go and find them yeah it's all you gotta do it's absolutely all you have I'm, to do I'm totally on the same page i'm totally on the same page you know and, and you know i've been speaking to a lot of a lot of my pals and they're like you know it's hard for them to get bookings now mm-hmm. because yeah. it's got to be you know it, it's just got really clicky yeah. and it, it just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable the whole thing you well, know it just and, takes and it I, away I, from what it was what from yeah, what it's I actually to, about yeah Exactly. And I hope it levels out. And of course, I'm here for it to see more women Sick, same. on lineups because it's been me on my own. Yeah. Uh, you know, on most lineups for a really Hanging years. out with the dicks the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> but literally, just me in a green room full of geezers, basically. Yeah, all trying to try it on, literally. <laughs> Luckily, not because they respect me. That's where the respect thing comes into it. Yeah. Um, because people are like, you must be cleaning up now. And I'm like, no, actually, I think people, like guys are scared of me. <laughs> yeah, that, that I guess that makes sense because you're a strong, independent woman, as they will say nowadays. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you still running Divine Sounds? So the story behind Divine Sounds in lockdown, obviously I was skint because yeah. we had no shows mm. um, and I still had all my bills to pay and a very unhealthy lifestyle t- and habits to uh, to pay for. So um, Simon basically took the label on in-house. Mm. So I still have the overall say of it, but it now has the whole defected machine behind oh, it. Yeah. Um in hindsight, if I went back now, there's no way that I would have sold it. Um, but it's kind of where I was getting so busy with touring coming into into lockdown. Um, I felt like I couldn't give it the energy that it yeah, deserved. Yeah. So now it has a whole new team um, within the defected. Like it's all in the office now. And um, so, yeah, I, I still have an overall say on everything, like the look of it and certain records that were signing. Um, but it, 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 it just felt right. Yeah. It felt right, you know? And now obviously that's opened up a door if I want to start another record label with Cloud9 later on down mm. the line. But I'm just throwing myself into touring. Like, I really want to break America. Like, mm. that is a whole different monster on its own. And I'm so grateful um, for Little Empire Music. You know, I feel like, mm. you know, they're based in LA and it just felt like 
they're completely the right fit for me. They're the right crew. Um, they're they're 100% the right crew. Oh my god, they're amazing. Yeah. They're absolutely amazing. Like they're just they're just so kind to their artists, you know, and I've just not had that mm. before. Um, and all my friends are like, you're going to leave us and go and live in LA. And I'm like, maybe. Do it. But now I'm like, yeah, but I'm in a position where I've got no ties in the UK. You know, yeah. I've obviously got my house, but um, it's only materialistic. Gone, I'm just going to be free. And do you know what? It's really nice to to have that feeling where I can literally, you know, I'm going to go and spend a month in Ibiza in September mm. and, I've got no one like, you know, ringing up my phone. Where are you? I'm like, fuck you, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, I, th- I think there's a, there comes a point at that. And to, going back to the relationship thing, there is always that thing in my mind for me is like, I don't have to think about anyone. We're going to be single forever, Willie. Yeah, We're going to be single forever. It's fucking like, even th- this, no disrespect to my parents, I love them to bits, but even when I come back to the UK, like I have a place next door to them. Like, yeah. That stresses me out because I have to worry about them then. And I don't have to worry about them. Like, it's they're fucking adults. They've survived nearly 60 years without me not looking yeah. after them and not... But it's just that thing that I think I do as a person, and I'm sure you do as well, where you just kind of worry about people around you and yeah. it actually stops... It, sto- it stopped me... It's I've For the last six months, I've made excuses not to write music. Yeah, And yeah. all of those excuses are all external external yeah. pressures of like coming home traveling seeing friends seeing family yeah. blah blah yeah. blah and it's realistically at the at the end of the day it's just down to feeling comfortable in your surroundings and with the people around you so that you can be the best part of you in what you're trying to do absolutely i mean family first yeah. you know and there's no like there's been times where I'm like okay I need to make some records now like everyone's telling me I kind of need to make records now and then I just sit there and I'm just like I, I just yeah. don't it's not coming to me mm. and that's why the breakup record is such a passion project for me because it was so authentic it's so organic mm. and you know the first record that I've actually written myself um and I might not ever make another record like this in my lifetime again, yeah. you know, but I'm just really, really proud of that record. And But going back to what you were saying, we need more Will Clark records. They're always a hit in my sets. Always. We need to write a record together. Actually. I know, we, we do. It's a long time. We do. We, but I feel like we need to be in the studio together. Yeah, 100%. So when... When I'm next down. Or when you're in America and got some downtime, yeah. come and stay yeah. in the hood. And, yeah, uh, definitely. And eight eight <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like Western Supermare. It literally is. <laughs> <laughs> Even the cinema's the same. We went to the cinema. What did we go and watch when I stayed at yours? What did we go and watch? Was it like, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. God, well. our memories are shot. I don't even drink. I haven't drank for 11 years. <laughs> You've got no excuse. Imagine I did. I've not drank Red Bull in like five years as well. Oh Just like, oh, it's ridiculous. Fun times though. Yeah, yeah, it was cool to hang out. And I love that. I love that, that we got to hang out and in Detroit. And I just, I, I love that we can just catch up whenever. Yeah. And it's like, it's so, it's, I'm going back to what we were talking about at the beginning and everyone listening is probably going to be like, oh my God, shut up, you two. But it's like, <laughs> It's so nice to see. Like, I love it when I see friends do well in this industry because we all know how hard it is. And, like, I was talking to somebody that I'd write for just before, literally right before, and 
there was like a few issues and I'm like, look, I'm just, I don't want anything. I just want you to be successful. Yeah. Like yeah. whatever you need to be successful, I will do. Like, I don't, yeah. this isn't about me making money. This isn't about, yeah. I just want to see you be happy and yeah. enjoy the process. And just like by seeing somebody go full time in music is like the most amazing feeling. For sure. Well, I saw that for you. Yeah. I saw that for you. And yes. it really is. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that, you know, all these years we've still stayed in contact. It's the best. You know, yeah, it really is the best. It's the best. Um, before we end this, I asked, I've started asking this question um, and it doesn't have to be uh, music related, but if you could give a person one bit of advice, what would it be? Be happy. Mm. Be happy because you know what? There's been a lot of times in my life where I've made myself unhappy. Mm. And then when you come out the other end, I'm just so calm when I'm happy, you know? Mm. And whatever your happiness means with the, with the, you know, you create that with the people around you or, yeah, just be happy. It just brings so many good things into your life. Like since I've had my new teeth, I'm smiling so much more and everyone's like, oh my God, you look so well. And I'm just like, cause I'm happy, Yeah, you know? And it's such a good feeling to finally just have happiness in my life. You know, it's taken me a really, really, really long time to get here. Mm. Um, and if it doesn't make me happy, then I just don't do it. Yeah. You know, it just brings so much peace into your life. I love that. And I think it takes a lot to actually get to that point. I think yeah. there's going to be some people listening and it's like, I don't know what makes me happy. I don't know how to get there, but yeah. it's, it's a process, right? And I think as we all get older, it's hopefully something that we learn. Yeah. Even just looking out of my window and seeing the birds build their nest, that makes me happy. Yeah. You know, or yeah. just having a moment with my mom and putting, you know, some Tina Turner on, that makes me happy. Mm. I just do things that make me happy now. Mm. The smallest of things, you don't even need to spend money to be happy. Yeah. Know it's like the the smallest of things. I'll go and feed the ducks with my mom, and I'll just sit there and see how happy she is. That makes me happy. Yeah, you know, it's just all the small things now. Um, whereas before, you know, cars and clothes and kicks, those things would make me happy. At the end of the day, they're just material things. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could lose them in an instant. So, yeah, just try and do one thing a day that just really puts a nice smile on your face and makes you happy. Sam, I love you. You're the best. I love you so much, Willie. I honestly do. I love you so much. Um, thanks for coming on. It's been amazing. Thank you for having me. How can people follow you if they're not following you? And if they're not following on you, all the socials. Yeah. So Sam Divine DJ on Instagram. I think it's still DJ Miss Divine on SoundCloud, actually. I need to yes. change that. <laughs> Sam Divine on Twitter and Sam Divine on Facebook as well. Mate, keep safe. See you soon. I love you so Bye, bloody much. Thank you. Thank you. And that is a wrap. Love that conversation. Thanks to Sam for coming on. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Give us some reviews. Do what you need to do. Share it with your friends. Send it to your grand. They might like it. Um, keep safe. See you next time. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. 
Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.